Hello team, it's Pam here from Alt Marketing School. I have a question for you right now and that is what would happen if you could market to hearts and not brains? What would you think would happen if you knew that you could make the world a better place with positive impact marketing but putting purpose and results first? If you want to find out, then come and join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Our six-week digital bootcamp for professionals who want to do marketing differently and advance their career along the way. Join me and our six incredible teachers to learn how to advance your career with confidence by applying effective systems and frameworks to the latest trends. The next cohort is coming up soon, so I would love to have you join us. And all you have to do is apply to join at altmarketingschool.com slash learn. Go to altmarketingschool.com slash learn to apply for the next cohort of All Marketing School certification. Hello and welcome to Make an Impact Show, a podcast run by Creative Impact Co. Our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing, and share their stories via outstanding content. OMG team, it's a cover feature interview. Yes, we are bringing you today the lovely interview with the ever so lovely herself, Alice Leaving. And together we're going to talk about the launch and celebration of a new app, Give Me Strength. This interview is also featured in the Creative Impact magazine. And I want you to make sure that you take the time to go and download your digital copy, which you can also access if you are a member of our newsletter. So make sure that you are so. And we also have some limited edition print copies that you can find at creativeimpact.group slash magazine. So make sure that you check them out after you listen to this amazing interview around boundaries, understanding your market, engaging with your super fans and much more. I am so excited to have Alice with me. I've been knowing, I've been knowing her, I guess. I've known her, not I've been knowing her for a long time. And it's so exciting to see her successes. Her hard work is second to none. And I really hope that you get to know her a bit better and her work and how she's developed the idea for this amazing new app. You might notice that um, Amy is not with us today. Just for logistical reasons, I am going to record the intros for the podcasts, but I am roping Amy into doing some solo episodes together monthly where we discuss a bit more about what we are learning as a business and what we do, because I love chatting to Amy, but I just need to make things a bit more effective for everyone. Without further ado, I hope you're going to love this episode with entrepreneur, personal trainer, incredible superhuman Alice Leaving, who is also the cover of May-June Creative Impact magazine. We're on. We're We're on. on. For real. (laughs) It's probably not going to feel like a change from like hitting on and just kind of chatting before, but I want to say thank you again for making the time. Honestly, 
I'm really chuffed. And again, uh, when I know somebody is always like nicer as well, because you can kind of like just uh, go from wherever this is going to take us. But obviously, if other people don't know you as well, what I usually do, Alice, is I have a couple of little icebreaker questions just to kind of set the scene for us. So before we jump in, if that's all right, I'm just going to pam, 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 fire your way. You ready? Go for it. Awesome. Okay. What is the first job that you ever had, Alice, and what did you learn from it? Oh, that's a good question. So I did babysitting on my road. I mean, I'm sure so many people had that as their first job, but I actually loved looking after kids. Sorry, my answer is going to be really long, but yeah, basically I love kids, always have done. We lived on a road where there was lots of young kids and I was sort of like 14, 15, I think. And so I just made it my role to go down to every house on the road, pop in a little flyer and say, hi, I'd love to be um, I'd love to be a babysitter. Let me know if um, I, you know I can do that. And so, um, yeah, that was my that was my first job. And I actually earned pretty good money from it. Like I lived in a good neighborhood. Um, and what I learned from that was um, just being a, being a nice person. It doesn't matter whether your job is as basic as being a babysitter or not. Be a nice person. People will be nice to you. Never be late because people don't like that. And, you know, yeah, that, that, that's probably what I learned from that job. I can hear also that the entrepreneurial strike already coming. She ain't waiting for people to come into you. You are going and just working that road with flies <laughs> after flies. So I love in that. So I see that as well. That is brilliant. And, you know, what's interesting as I'm putting out the next question is that so far, whoever asked this question, the answer has always been different because, as you said, you will assume, but it's kind of interesting to see what people perceive as the first job. So I, I love that. But you are my first babysitter so far. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next one is a bit more specific and a bit closer to now. What mm-hmm. is the best investment? Okay, context. It can be £100 or less. It can even be just something that is not monetary. But if so, £100 or less that you mm-hmm. made in the last six months. Oh, that's a really good question. I would actually have to say the best investment that I have made that's £100 or less would be my Kindle. I really love it. Yeah, I think it's just under £100. But I, I love reading. And I think one of the things that I was really conscious of is my bookshelf just getting so full and I'm sort of shoving books in at every angle. Because I think, you know, reading is basically one of the ways in which I really switch off and I'm able to kind of switch off from, from the day. Um, but yeah, buying my Kindle, I have now, you know, all these books in this tiny little tablet and I can read it in bed at night and turn down the brightness. Um, and I think as well, just for growth as a person, you know, the more you read diverse stories, read about different experiences that really can help to shape you as a person. I think particularly over the last year where you haven't had the opportunity to network in the way that you and I just spoke about, we haven't been going to events and we haven't been, you know, engaging with people in the way we normally would to still be able to engage with stories or read about people's experiences is really a way to then kind of connect with them in a different way. Um, So yeah, my Kindle has been invaluable. I love that. Is there, is there a book, maybe a book that you got on your Kindle that you really enjoyed so far or that really stuck out for you since you've done that? I think there's an author that I would say, and actually my boyfriend and I are both really obsessed with him, but um, anything by Matthew Syed, he's a really interesting person. He's actually got a podcast out now at the the moment as well. Um, And sort of anything that he speaks on, I want to listen to. He has a really interesting perspective about how to work and how to manage uh, your mindset. And I think one of the things that I really take from him as well is that he came from a sporting background 
but it was really about diversity of like a lot of the stuff he talks about is diversity of thought diversity of, of people around you having blind spots and I think he's yeah he's an amazing person and actually his podcast is so fascinating because he sort of takes real world examples of things and kind of skews it and shows you how your initial perception of that situation might be different and why that might be um so yeah anything by him is is pretty good can I ask you the name of the podcast as well just if anybody wants to check it out oh, off the top of my head can I get it up It'll, it's like in the it's in the top charts let me get it up quickly because um it's really really good and i definitely recommend it it is called oh where is it now it's not in the top sideways sideways is the podcast um and it says best-selling author matthew side explores the ideas that shape our lives with stories of seeing the world differently excellent i love that thank you so much now, last but not least, and I kind of wish that I could say that I know the answer to this one, so I'm not going to say anything and see if I get it. A trivia category you will be really good at, and why? Definitely. Although, well, yeah, I'm going to say it would be musicals, which is my number one passion in life. But I was recently on this, like, quiz podcast, and my, that was my chosen category, and I actually got quite a few wrong, which I was really mortified by. <laughs> but hopefully I would do, I would do well in that. <laughs> Okay, awesome, because I was quite chuffed with myself. That's literally where my mind went. And I was like, yes, yes. I, I do like that a bit, especially when I know the person to be like, would it be that one? But you know yeah. what? Put it this way. You were under pressure. It was a quiz. Yeah. So, you know, the first time I ever did it. Exactly, exactly. It wasn't absolutely yourself, but thank you so much for playing. And I love getting a bit of bits of nuggets of wisdom as well. Now, talking more about wisdom, we were actually talking about a time of recording. You're just coming back from why I had this stint of shooting and work for the app, for your app. So first and foremost, obviously we got a bit of an intro before this about yourself, but can you give us a bit of an overview just obviously of the app that is coming out? And also, yeah, I would love you maybe to tell us a bit more about some of the things that you almost learned in the process, which again, you took me to off hair, but I think it's really interesting to hear that. Yeah, great question. I mean, so... The app is a culmination of six years of, of work in the fitness space. I've been a personal trainer for six years, I've worked in various different roles. I've worked as a personal trainer. I've consulted on various things. Um, and really, the last six years has been about me gaining confidence as a coach. I'm sure you know this, but you don't come out of PT school knowing everything and being the best PT ever. You actually come out probably even less informed than you went in because you're suddenly like, there's so much that I don't know. So the last six years has really been about me honing my skill set, developing my confidence as a coach and really learning from others around me. I think the biggest blind spot that I would say I had was thinking that, you know, I found my knowledge in books to be a PT. And yes, those are really valuable, but nothing has beaten spending time on a gym floor and being surrounded by good coaches. And so I, you know, I invested in that. I invested my time and my energy in getting a mentor, um, working in a, a really good London gym and just being surrounded by great coaches and, and how they work and, you know, taking a little bit from this person and taking a little bit from that person. 
And so all of that's kind of come together to create Give Me Strength app, which is my app that launches on the 1st of June. Um, and really the app is about empowering people with strength, whatever that looks like to them. So yes, of course, there is a fitness element. Uh, we have structured programs that are tailored towards various different goals. We have both gym and home workouts. We also have on-demand workouts, which as you know, have probably become huge over the last year, which wasn't something that I would have necessarily have invested my time into, but which I now recognize is, is such a huge part of how people now want to train. And then alongside that, obviously really catering to people's well-being. So we have over a hundred recipes that have been shot for the app. And we also have an education section where people can really learn about the why behind what they're doing. I don't just want to tell people to exercise and to eat well. I want them to kind of know why they're doing what they're doing and also have much more of a 360 picture of their health. You know, yes, it's about exercise. Yes, it's about food, but it's also about sleep. It's also about stress. It's also about a whole host of so many other things. And it's really crucial to kind of make sure that you don't forget that stuff. That stuff to me is just as important as the exercise you do or the food you eat. So we also have that section. And then some, some features that I'm really excited about is we have um, the ability to track your menstrual cycle and to understand where you are in your cycle in relation to how you should train. So when to push, when to pull back, other things are things like just daily goal habit trackers. You know, I, I didn't want the app to have a focus on calories or macros or, or you know, tracking your weight. Um, I wanted it to really be about positive health behaviors and how we can encourage people to do those things on a much more positive level. That section is, is something that I'm really excited for. And I think just overall, I feel like there was a real gap in the market. And I was actually chatting to my developer this morning about this, but both of us felt that there was a real gap in the market for something that came in that was really uplifting and didn't make you feel guilty, didn't make you feel as though you weren't doing enough, um, didn't make you feel like you have to be dripping with sweat to have a good session. And really, I want to be the voice of, of kind of reason within the fitness industry. Someone that comes in who's like, look, I, I love exercise and I also love pizza and I also love taking a rest day or a rest week. Um, and this is about exercising for life. It's not just about getting you in shape for your summer holiday. So I'm so excited about it. Like you said, it launches on the 1st of June. And yeah, I'm really excited for people to get their hands on it. And I love that you mentioned in that, like the habit tracking. Now it's something that I'm quite a fan of myself when it comes to being able to have that companion is like, and that accountability that I'm hearing as well and mm. as you said I think it's just understanding because I think a lot of people that might be listening they might be thinking maybe I want to take the next step of something that we talked about off hair which I'm gonna paraphrase a bit so excuse me was the idea that obviously this was your first your own thing the first thing that yeah. you kind of see as your own right and I think a lot of people are looking for that they're realizing that their next step would be to have their their own product or their own mm -hmm. that thing that can be theirs like some mm -hmm. of us are crazy people that want have more than one but you know sensible people tend to have one let's be honest <laughs> I'm putting myself definitely not in the sensible camp <laughs> but you know how it is and I think yeah. you know and I think that's what you mentioned even by just introducing the app is a great reminder that you know, you can find the unique ways to make the products or whatever you want to create unique by just thinking about what is still missing or how can I really help people in the best way, learning from what I've seen that I didn't like or that I thought, oh, I just wish I could also do that. And I think that 
creating it all in one place can be really powerful because then you can have that companion. Whereas one more thing I'm going to say is that sometimes, you know, you open and you think, okay, all the things that I have to do, let's say gratitude, let's say meditation, mm-hmm. let's say nutrition, they're all in different apps, they're all in different mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. And then again, you go back to how can I keep up with everything? So mm-hmm. simple baby steps, I think is a key thing. And I don't know if that is part of what also came into creating the journey of the app, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'd love to touch on that. Definitely. I think one of the things that just came up for me when you were saying that was, and you know, I could have sat and looked at the fitness industry and the fitness space and said, you know what, it's so saturated. There's so many apps. There's so many coaches. There's so many people. And actually gone, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to get involved in that. That's that's way too much stress. There's way too many people. There's already someone doing that. And I think, you know, to a certain extent, I do still do that. I do still have these fears of like, oh, is this just one too many apps? Or is it just one one step too far for me to kind of venture into that space? Should I just stick to doing what I'm currently doing? But actually, you know, yes, you're right. Look at what you like and don't like about what's currently out there. Absolutely. Look at, um, you know, where you think there might be gaps or blind spots. But also know that even if you're entering a saturated space, you are still unique in the sense that you are, there's no one's you. So like the way that I coach, the way that I've built this app, all of my thoughts and my processes are mine. And those are unique to myself and they can't be replicated by anyone else because they're not me. And I think it's always about, you know, having confidence to take that leap of faith and say, regardless of how saturated a space is, nobody is you. And I remember being at college and, and, you know, I trained as a dancer and I, and I was very much confident in, in, well, not confident, I would say, but I was very much used to an audition space. And I remember one of my teachers saying to me, like, no one is you. And that is your superpower. And it's, it's, you know, even on a business level, it's really important to try and remember that. And to really remember that ultimately, like the way you perceive stuff, the way you create stuff is always going to be different because it's yours. Um, And I think, yeah, Going back to, to your initial question, does that mean that like my my goals and my small steps, you know, I'm not I'm not reinventing the wheel, but they're they're you know they are they are implemented in a way that I feel is 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 natural to me and natural to the way I would coach and natural to the way I'd work if someone was my personal client. And so yeah, absolutely, like small steps, encouraging someone in the way that you know I would if if I was working with them in the gym, um, and really just getting them to focus on on being them, you know, rather than you know one of the things that I have an issue with is you know when a lot of people start their fitness journey fitness can become their whole life and their whole identity and I made that mistake you know that was when I was so wrapped up in fitness that it was everything and I couldn't miss a session and I was so dedicated to training and whatever and you know like to a certain extent fine it happens but also it's not sustainable and it's so nice to have other elements of your life that are also valuable to you. Yes, you can love training and love fitness, but you can also be a, a you know a varied and different person with a range of experiences and likes and dislikes. And so my app is, is really catering to, towards those people who they really enjoy training. They want a proper structured program that they're able to follow, but that's not something that's you know dominating their whole life. I'm a big fan of what you mentioned there. I mean, first of all, you know that little thing about you there's only one you and that's a superpower at time of recording obviously I literally just posted that on Instagram yesterday because it, yeah literally because oh. it's because I was thinking about it and I literally what you just mentioned and that's why I'm going to reiterate it because I think we need to hear it just one more time 
it's okay to feel a bit overwhelmed because you're yeah, the next person coming with an idea with with a mission that maybe other people have but and also I think you you exemplify that really well with the app this is a way for you to become more accessible instead of coaching five people you can support a hundred a thousand ten thousand I hope it's a million and that is a great way to actually amplify the impact that you're making and making your message a lot wider so Again, even more so, we need to realize that a lot of the time, especially as personal brands, especially at the experts and the creatives, what we're really selling is the idea of how we want to help others. And it starts from us. And it's a great way for people to understand because if they love the support that you give them already, obviously Mm -hmm. they can get something that is even more tailored and more unique every single day in a way that is unique to you. And I think, as you say, that can be something that can stop you at first thinking, why should I jump into this? And then as you say, we can't reinvent the wheel. The online space is just, is is flourished. And actually I see it as a positive thing instead mm-hmm. of seeing it as, you know, sometimes it can feel like a blockage or it can feel mm-hmm. like something worried, but mm-hmm. it's interesting to see how they call it the passion economy mm-hmm. has become something that is really resonating with us. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's been a big thing. So going back to obviously this journey of you kind of finishing touches or even recording things and shooting things, Would you say there is one lesson, maybe from a personal perspective, maybe even from a professional level, that this app has already taught you that really stuck with you? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I've I've learned, particularly with building the app, creating this business, I have learned to not strive for absolute perfection. I think that's the thing that, you know, when you're building a business... Uh, and particularly when you're creating a product that you're about to deliver to people, you can have in your head the most perfect idea of the way that's going to go. Like, of course you do. Naturally, you want it to be everything that you've imagined it to be. And that's not to say that my my product won't be that, but I think also being able to have versions of, that version one might not be the, the polished and perfect version that, that you want it to be, that it might be missing a few features that we just haven't got time to fit in, to fit in with our deadline. But it will be amazing and it will still be great and it will still be everything that I want it to be. And actually, I think it's almost good to keep a little bit of that stuff in reserve, to not put all your eggs in one basket or, or, or you know give all of yourself in that first product because then where do you go from there there's got to be growth there's got to be expansion and there's got to be development and actually that's where you really learn particularly with this product if i put everything into it that i wanted to i actually think people would be overwhelmed you'd open the app and it would almost be like oh my god there's so much here i actually don't quite know where to start you know and i had to make the decision okay actually you know even i had a meeting with my developer this morning and we cut a feature that was just like, you know what, we don't need this right now. It's not essential. And it makes no difference to like the individual user, the user journey. It's just, it's just one of those things where you have to make rational decisions about whether you go for absolute perfection or whether you say, okay, I'm a bit more realistic now. I know that like version five is probably going to be where I want to be. But what's the journey for me to get there? And what will version one look like that I'm still super happy with? But there isn't me trying to achieve absolute perfection. And the same can be said for the shoots. You know, there were a lot of things that went wrong on my shoots. There were a lot of things that weren't, you know, perfect. I think one of the biggest things I learned was in terms of shooting stuff with the colorama. Like you just, it, it's complicated in terms of trying to get machinery into a set and then out of a set to film like one exercise. That's difficult. And next time, I think we'll definitely have to think about how we do that slightly differently. Um, so there are some shots that aren't great. They're like that's something they're not great. 
that's my that's my negative talk they're fine and they're, they they serve a purpose there's definitely some some stuff that I'll reshoot but I think really I sort of had to sit back and say this is stuff that I can't change right now I've booked my venue I've booked my shoot I've got my videographer here so let's make the best of what we've got rather than me being like oh you know how awful this is terrible this has ruined it so I think that was that was the the main learning I'm not trying to achieve absolute perfection and I'm okay in saying that but what I do want to produce is something that ha- that is a platform to then grow from that version one is like this is the this is the best thing we can produce right now but we also have like so many things that we can then add to that that we're going to learn from and grow from in the future and I think as well you know when it comes to just being a business person like I have I have grown as I have as an individual and as a person from the feedback and the and the the growth that I've done in doing what I do so actually like if I never started I'd never have got to where I am now because and that, that's it's just always about taking that leap of faith like don't worry you're going to make mistakes along the way things are going to happen that are out of your control stuff's going to go on that you're like oh my god I can't believe this has happened but you know if there's one thing I've learned from it's like so much growth comes from failure or or thing not achieving what you wanted to and and um yeah so that's my probably my biggest learning I love that and actually you unpack so many different things in that and I think it's a great reminder of different elements of of what you can learn from that journey and I want to touch on something because I'm going to ask you a bit more about this but something that you mentioned maybe not really realizing as much is that in a way you put your user first obviously also for a matter of maybe of time and, and resources but also you said well the user doesn't need this right now I want to make sure that I give them exactly what they want maybe I want this right now I would like this but I'm going to let it grow. And I think uh, something that I learned as a business owner after eight years of doing this is that the more you learn how to let your ego at the door and say, you know what, my people don't need this. They didn't want this. They told me, or I can see that this is not what they need right now. Mm-hmm. And you get less attached from the how, and you remember the why, why you want to help them. That really can help you then, as you say, grow, shape things, and then finding the best way to serve them how you want to serve them. So I want to say this because I'm going to ask you a question around this, which is, uh, again, I'm going to get a bit, a bit sexy data here, but um, is there any market research or any ways that you try to gather the feedback from the real people because of your audience, of your past clients, of the people that you help and show up with on lives every bloody morning? You know, there is a lot of things that you can you can learn and that you can get from them. So what have been some of the best ways for you to get to understand better what they want and to get their feedback as well? Yeah, I mean, best market research I can do is ask my ask my following. So I've utilized that. I've utilized having an audience of engaged people to be able to get feedback from. I would say one of the things that I did early on, which I found really helpful, was for my most engaged followers, I created a Facebook group. So I'm sure you know this, but anything that detracts from the main platform that you use is is a commitment from someone. So if they're going to commit to go to a secondary platform in order to engage with you, that shows me that they're really committed to my message and to my brand. So I had over, I've got over 10,000 people in my um, closed Facebook group. That's been something that I created across all of my challenges that I've been running on Instagram. And what that allowed me to do was have a really focused group of people who are slightly smaller, slightly less overwhelming than my Instagram following, who can really give me the answers that I need um, for stuff that I'm thinking about. So I remember like even a couple of months ago, I put out a question on there saying, you know, if you were to design your perfect fitness app, what would it include for you? And even just the answers from that, like that is direct consumer insight. And that shows me, okay, 
some of this stuff I'm not going to do because it's not right. But some of the stuff I would never have thought of. And oh, actually, loads of people are saying this. So maybe I should think about this. You know, there's no better feedback than that. And I think, you know, I have a friend who works in in um, advertising and she was like, oh, we could do some, you know, some focus groups and stuff. And I thought, you know what, we could. But nothing for me is more valuable than, than someone who's already engaged and knows my brand. I think some of the things that have been really interesting learnings for me is, um, I guess, around how you engage an audience that are outside of your current group. So my audience is currently, you know, my fake, my um, sorry, Instagram following, and then obviously the Facebook and the Twitter, and soon to be TikTok as well. But really, you know, having discussions with my marketing team about when we launched the app, learning about how you then reach audiences beyond those who are already converts. So how do you convert new users? So say you launch on day one, and you convert, you know, call it 20% of my current following, that will then soon plateau because there's only going to be so many people who are going to download it. And there's only going to be so many of my audience who are going to engage with it. You need to carry on getting users. So how do you then go about engaging new users who are beyond, who don't, who've never heard of me? And that's been a really interesting experience. But I think that, you know, it's, it's stuff like that, that I, I think I love learning that on the go. I love that that stuff that I've started to, to learn about that has never come onto my radar before. Um, and that sort of stuff really does is where you'll need that focus and I, um, those focus groups and stuff. So going back to your question, I think initially in this first launch, we're really listening to and leaning into what my current audience wants. But I think the best thing and the most exciting thing is going to be seeing who's actually using the app when it's up and running, seeing who our actual users are, what they like about the app, what they click on the most, what recipes are their favorites, how old they are. All of that data then becomes so valuable because you basically package that up, put it into Facebook ads, and then be able to reach a whole new group of people who have never heard of you because you're targeting exactly the type of people that you think would be right for your app. So I think that's where the really exciting stuff comes in. But for, for now, it's just utilizing what I already have. First of all, I think it's great as well, because you obviously kind of give us a perspective of even when you have a bigger following and you feel, well, that should be enough. It's always a case of thinking, well, I can have more people outside of my circle, because as you said, there's acquisition. And then again, sexy marketing talk. I apologize for anybody who's going to lose me a second. But at some point, you know, acquisition will stop and say plateau. And that's where you need to think about how can I reach new audiences? And one thing I'm going to piggyback on what you said, because it's so interesting. So obviously with the collective, which is our membership, we use our platform. So I don't have my own app. It's just something that we tried once and I was like, I'm good with piggybacking. But it's interesting because the platform says what you just said. It allows us to see analytics that maybe you wouldn't think about looking at too much. But obviously, geek, I like to look at them. And one thing that I keep saying in my workshop, so everything I do, depending on who you're talking to, any whether it's a follower, whether it's a user, whether it's your audience, we tend to be passive. It's just in our nature. We are, most of us are passive over active. However, the good thing about understanding the data is that you can see also not just what we say, but also where we click. As you say, those behaviors can tell us so much. And you mentioned it briefly. So I wanted to say again, mm. think about what you do and what you're trying to offer and what you're trying to create. And it's good to get the feedback and the answers. But sometimes if you're struggling or if you don't get as many answers as you want, just mm. look what people are doing look at who's coming back as you say look at what they're clicking what content they love which day of the week are showing up mm. learn these little patterns because especially this is very important for platforms at scale like obviously an app that you're creating mm. I think there's a preconception that 
you know, there's like a small number of people that you want, but ideally, you know, you want to grow quite it's a scalable solution, isn't it? And I think these little things are things that you can do, even if you don't have a big team behind you, or even if you don't have loads of resources, just literally look at, look at the people and look at what they're doing and how they are behaving. And I think that's something that I just, just wanted to add in there as well. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you are absolutely right you could look at my following now and be like, well, I just want to convert those people. I just want to give it to the people that are following me. That's, that's, that's of course my number one of number one importance to me because I want to cater to the people who are already invested in me. But I think once you've moved that audience through and they're already invested in the app, don't just sit back and be like, okay, that's good. Like you could sit back and look at those numbers and say, fine, you know, let's just let it naturally turn over. Or you could say, and this is what I picture is how many millions of people in the UK use gyms? And how many of them don't have a fitness app on their phone that tells them exactly what to do when they go into the gym? That for me is the scope of the growth that we could have. How can I tap into all of those people that go to the gym three or four times a week, they want a program to follow and they're not quite sure where to turn. That for me is, is like the, the, the kind of the ultimate um, appeal of it or is I know that I have something that will help people. I know that. Like, and I know that it's a great product. So it's just about being able to get it into the hands of those people. And that's when you really start to use that SEO, that marketing, um, like email marketing, Facebook marketing. Um, even, you know, we've looked at a whole mixture of both traditional and, and newer methods of, of marketing. So we've looked at the billboards and the bus wraps and the, um, you know, bus marketing in, in, in London, which is just extortionately exp expensive, but then also things like, you know, regional advertising. So we don't just want to focus ourselves in London. Um, and then, and then also getting someone on board who is an absolute pro at email marketing, because that is huge. Um, and getting someone on board who knows Facebook marketing and Facebook ads, because that is a whole nother world that of, of stuff that I just would not have a clue about. So I think it's really about, <laughs> for the most part, knowing your skill set and knowing when to bring people in for one. But two also, yeah, like knowing that there's like always going to be version one, version two, version three, version four. And each version is probably catering to a slightly different, slightly different, slightly different audience of people. But that's that's how you grow, you know, and, and, and to just never settle with the fact that you might have, you know, a nice little audience of people ticking over and ticking over. Like my brain doesn't work work in the way that it goes, okay, that's fine. My brain goes, oh, these people like it, which means there must be like thousands more people who will like it. So yeah, that's that's who I'm after. That's a good way to make your brain work. I like, I like that brain. It is a good, again, obviously I'm going to ask you now a question related to that because we're really similar in that perspective. And I think most people who are quite entrepreneurial have that kind of drive. So I'm going to ask you, especially for a period like now now again time of recording you're still creating a lot of the content you have like some really busy stints it's not a case of like a day and stuff what have you found for right now for this project especially have been some helpful ways for you to just recharge and take some time and actually kind of decompress because again it requires a different type of energy and also something that maybe then you can apply as well afterwards when you're launching yeah that's a great question and something that I think is so important because where my job is so tech focused and, and I can do it with my phone in my hand pretty much all day every day um, I find it very difficult to then be able to switch off from that and the other thing that I think drives that is I look at people who are, I would typically consider although I don't like using this word but like my competition who might have done something that I'm like oh I should have done that or oh I, I wish I'd done that or whatever um, it's really difficult to then switch off because your brain is just constantly going and like 
if I'm not on social media, I'm like, oh, that's time that I could be replying to messages, replying to comments, you know, engaging people. And, and I think the thing that I've really felt is that pressure has really started to bite now that I have a product that I want to offer. You know, beforehand, yes, of course, I was really engaged with my following and I would always put out content and stuff. But it, I never had the pressure of being like, okay, this is all building towards something pretty mega. Now that I have the pressure of that, I've really felt that I want my audience to trust me and to, to engage with me on a level that I haven't ever asked for before. And um, I think that that's something that I am finding slightly difficult because I do feel as though I have to like properly, properly like commit time to doing things like replying to comments and um, being able to be online and be available for people in order to, to almost feel as though I deserve their their money which sounds bad but yeah and like part of me part of that is that's why I've been teaching my classes and that's why I've been way more active I think that over the last few months than I have ever been is because part of me is building up to the fact that I'm like I've given so much of myself to you and now I just want to ask for a little bit back by downloading my app and I think that's you know that's an, that's an okay thing and that's a nice way to work but um but yeah I have felt the pressure to do that so Ways in which I switch off, I think, is really about time off my phone. Um, I'm going to be totally honest. I find that incredibly difficult. It is pretty much with me 24-7. But I have recently started, like, I mean, normal things. I, I'm not like a woo-woo person. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, I've tried the meditation and I've tried the head, like, mindfulness stuff. I journaled for a day and gave up. Like, I'm just pretty useless with that sort of stuff. And I'm okay to admit that. But, like, for me, like watching tv reading a book having a bath like stuff where i'm actually able to like switch off and, and enjoy something is probably how i get my downtime and um, and really i think the thing that i would say beyond that is going to be a really cheesy one because it's obviously everything to do with what i am but um but exercise walks runs go like going and you know going for a walk with a friend all that sort of stuff i think is is probably my number one way to switch off I mean, you say it's a bit cheesy, but I actually is one of my favorite ways as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm more for it. I mean, not to your standards, but definitely not to your standards. But I was talking a couple of months ago that I really enjoy now post work doing my little ritual of dancing. Bad, Alice is really bad, but it's so much fun. Got reggaeton. It doesn't matter. I know, and that's the thing as well. I'll do my little hip hop routines, obviously very bass. But again, it's I think there's a lot to be said about what you just mentioned about again we especially when we're looking at our phones or our laptop or we're very much in that, that doing space mm-hmm. and like movement obviously as you know like gets into that space of being and actually gets us to like kind of shake things off and almost mm-hmm. break that pattern that sometimes we might find ourselves as you mentioned when we keep thinking about maybe I should do this or oh, oh I've seen that person doing that so it's almost detaching yourself from that whether it's a walk or whether it's a movement or something else that can really refresh your brain so I think that's that's really really important mm-hmm. now I have the last question before mm-hmm. I ask people where they can find out more, the hardest question. If you were to have brunch with anyone, dead or alive, who would this person be? Anyone. You know, actually, I was asked this question uh, a while ago. And there are so many people that I find inspiring, by the way. Like, it, like it's so hard to pin it down to one person. But um, the person that I picked was Dolly Parton. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. First of all, I think she is the most incredible woman. And she kind of, 
she crosses loads of different things like uh, the interests of mine obviously she's incredibly creative and musical she's had the most incredible musical career but also like she's incredibly philanthropic she's very wise like she's had a, a life that I think is really interesting and I just feel that she'd be great crack for like a little drinky poo with <laughs> So I think as well as it being like a beneficial lunch, I think, or brunch, I think it would also be like really fun. <laughs> you want to add a bit of fun. little glass of wine with doll. <laughs> that is definitely something that you can look back in, in the late days and think, oh, remember that brunch with Dolly? That was so much yeah. fun. I just love her. I just think she's so cool. So yeah, it would, be, it would probably be her. Although, believe me, there are obviously other amazing women that I would love to. to I think the um, CEO of, what is it? CEO of uh, YouTube what's her name um why has it gone from my head like there's amazing business women like um michelle obama another person who i just think would be incredible serena williams like a massive inspiration one there are loads of people but but if i had to pick it would be dolly <laughs> i love that that is brilliant thank you so much first of all thank you so much for taking the time i appreciate this it's super busy time and also yeah again congrats on on the app especially when it's out obviously when people can check it out in the show notes it probably will be out the time that this is out but nevertheless it's a massive achievement i know you're putting so much work into it so i'm i'm hoping that you find little pockets during the day to just look at yourself in the mirror and be like you girl you're doing good because you <laughs> that's a little it's a bit woo i know i know but i would say worth doing every so often yeah Definitely. If people want to find out more about you and obviously the app and they have any questions or want to check things out, where should they go? So my Instagram is Alice Living and that is L-I-V-E-I-N-G. It's got a funny little E in it. Same on Facebook, same on Twitter. Uh, and also if you want to follow the app, Instagram, it's Give Me Strength app. Thank you so much again for taking the time. Right, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode. If you loved it, Please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your ha-has and takeaways on Instagram at Creative Impact Co. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group.